Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, and we are one day away from the NBA picking back up after All-Star break, resuming the final 25-game stretch of the season, and we are here today to break down the Thursday 223 slate. Joining me to do that is our mid-level manager of our scouting department, Austin Vernon, A.V., how you doing? You've been grinding film in the in the uh, video coordinator room. I've I've earned this promotion. I just I want to tell your fans I'm putting in the work, and uh, I wanted to see what my new title would be, and I'm I'm pretty pleased with my mid level scouting department. I'm I'm a video room guy, but I know we got to work our way up. A lot of episodes to go. I mean, soon enough you'll be coaching the Miami Heat, right? <laughs> yes, Spo's journey. It's it's amazing okay. the the hate Spo got early in his career with LeBron, and now you know he's widely agreed number one tier coach in the league. And and someone who's never won Coach of the Year. So remember that next wow. year for the odds. Did not know that. Surprised he hasn't gotten. He still deserves it. Yeah, never won. Yeah, that that's a good call because you know that they want to give him one eventually. So they're gonna give him his you know Leo DiCaprio and Revenant eventually. Oh, love that comparison. <laughs> He's going to sleep inside a wolf costume. I mean, a bear. <laughs> yeah. All right. AV, like I was just saying, today's episode, we are breaking down tomorrow's Thursday, February 23rd slate. And this is a bit of a abnormal NBA moment when you're returning from the NBA All-Star break because lines were posted on Sunday. Games not starting until Thursday. We get a little bit of like a football week preview where we can – spend that Monday through Thursday evaluating injury reports, you know, insider talk, matchup-based things, schedule situations, all of these things, observing the line movement, where the money's coming in. So we actually have so much information to work off for the slate. So I'm really glad that we are jumping back into the back half of the NBA season betting content with this particular date and this particular slate. We are going to go through every single game on the slate talk about where the money is, where the gambling trends are, where my best bets are, and then use that to kind of soiree and have some other fun conversations about these matchups, these teams, these situations, and where we sit with 25-ish games left in the NBA season before we get to what should be a very exciting uh, playoffs. I actually think, AV, before we get started, one yeah. prediction that I have is that I actually think this NBA season towards the end of the last 25 games or so in the Western Conference, because of how important every single game is and how bunched the schedule is, and because the in the addition of the play-in tournament in the last few years and there being 10 important seeds in the Western Conference, I think we're going to be having amazing slates to break down from now until the end of the season. I don't think we're going to run into situations where guys are really resting players, tanking for seeding or situations. Every game is going to matter so much. And if you're within one game and you guys are both playing on that night, it could sw- you could swing four or five spots in the standings based on one night. And I, for that reason, I think every team is just going to be gunning for wins and not playing this whole, like, oh, are the Bucks going to try and duck a team and get the heat in the first round and do that whole situation like we've seen in years past? So I think for gambling stuff, we're going to have a lot of good basketball to break down knowing that this is going to be – like teams that are trying to win is so much easier to, to handicap than – what are the motivations of this team going forward for the next few weeks? I I agree, and I, I think it's it's a lot of it's because of the parity in, in the West, but across the league, you, you usually have you know 
anywhere from two teams when it was the Cavs and the Warriors who could make the finals and realistically win to, you know, four teams in a given year because you, you have like a couple favorites in each conference. And, and the fact that we have nine, ten teams that you could make, you know, very reasonable arguments, could could make it to the finals, could win the championship is, is amazing. I, I am a big proponent of shortening the NBA season for this reason, because usually it's not like this. Usually, this is silly season. You have so many teams tanking, mailing it in, um, and the regular season's too long. I think this is going to be the best back quarter of the season we've ever seen, but I'm still even more excited for the playoffs, because I think that we're going to have some amazing first-round matchups, especially given uh, the trades that shook things up in the West. And we will be here to break it all down on the advantage. AV, let's jump right in and start breaking down this slate. The first game that's posted, I'm just going to go through FanDuel using the odds and running down the board in the order that they have it. Um, I think it's based on the times and the tips. The first game on the slate is the Cavaliers taking on the Denver Nuggets in Cleveland. This line opened as Cavs minus one and a half. And when I saw this, oh, Denver Nuggets are catching points on the road after returning from a break like everyone should be playing. I thought, okay, matchup-related stuff. You have Mobley and Allen. You have two bigs to throw Jokic different looks. So maybe that's the reason why Cleveland is the home favorite. Um, then I just took a moment to breathe and thought, all right, everyone and their mom is thinking, if the Nuggets are underdogs, we should take them. And I saw the betting splits come in for this game, and there was about 50% of the bets were in both places, but over 70% of the money was on Cleveland. So that was a clear indicator to me that, hey, the people who know what they're doing are putting big money on Cleveland right now. And I jumped in when it was a minus one and a half on the Cleveland money line. I didn't even bother taking the, the points. I just took the money line because it offered better value at minus 120. It's been pushed all the way up to Cleveland minus two and a half and a minus 142 in the money line. A lot of Cleveland money coming in. It is one of my best bets we are seeing it is reverse line movement where we are seeing the majority of bet tickets on Denver, but the spreads still move the other way. This means Sharps are on Cleveland. I'm on Cleveland. One of my best bets of the night, Cleveland. How do you feel about fading Denver just off of the return of the All-Star break going against the best player in the NBA? Uh, so, I mean, I, I like Cleveland in this home game and in the back back quarter of, of this season here. I think Denver is is a tougher call because they have Jamal Murray coming back after not playing for the last week, week and a half leading into the All-Star break. And that can always go both ways. You know, the way that they overrested him could mean that he doesn't need much to, to gear back up and he's going to have a, a good game. And, and uh, Cleveland hasn't seen recent tape on him. What they're looking at of... of the Nuggets recently doesn't include him, and, and he plays well, and they're tough. I think it's a little bit more likely that, you know, he comes back in 25 to 28 minutes instead and is not his full self because he's taken some games off. Um, but, but De yeah, Denver Denver's a good team. I think they're going to have a good a good end of this season. I think really, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, a lot of that money is because of how good Cleveland is at home and, and how big of a deal that is. Um, maybe especially coming off the All-Star break where Cleveland's known that they've been home, resting. Maybe they took some vacation, spent time with their family. First game's at home. You can go to the office, relax. Whereas Denver, as soon as, you know, Jokic came back and the All-Star break was over, they were getting on planes. Um, so, yeah, I like the Cavs. Completely agree with that. Cavs dominant at home. 
That's that. That's the main point here. Like Cavs yeah. projected right now to be the three seed because of the uh, schedule down the stretch. The 76ers have a pretty tough schedule. Cavaliers have a pretty easy schedule. So the 538 like advanced projections show the Cavaliers securing this number three seed. And then it correlates to the Cavaliers having a pretty like higher than expected title chances because they might get a series or two in their own building in which they play unbelievable basketball. So I definitely think this is a home court thing. And I also think it's a post-trade deadline continuity thing. We know that the Cavaliers didn't really shake up much of their roster. Of course, they bought out Kevin Love. Uh, Denver brought in Thomas Bryant, sent out Bones, brought in Reggie Jackson, uh, different backup big for the non-Jokic minutes to integrate, different secondary ball handler to integrate. So Cavaliers going to be playing with some continuity. Denver going to be trying to reintegrate some new pieces. Denver on the road. Cleveland dominant at home. I think it sets up to be a clear bet Cleveland spot. I only put down half a unit on this line because, again, we are fading the best team in the NBA. So I just don't want to overly expose myself onto that take. Um, You're so, fading the team with the want... best record. The team with the best record. I mean, uh, the best team in the NBA is certainly uh, up for debate right now also. I mean, I... Uh, one quick point that that I, makes me actually like your bet even more here is I'm not sure that there's a, a team where home court advantage is more important in the playoffs than the than the Cavs. Their entire team is young, but their their core talent is is young. Donovan Mitchell, Garland, Garrett Allen, Mobley's a rookie. I, you need a home crowd for a team like that to be able to make a push. And on the exact flip side of that, the most important home court in the West is Denver. I mean, they are, like, yeah. dominant at home, too. They think yeah. they have four losses all season. You go the mile high, the altitude, Can't they breathe. run on you. Yeah. Exactly. All those factors come in. So now Denver on the road where they're less, you know, they don't have their advantage. Cleveland at home where they do have their advantage and all the other factors that we're talking about. The last thing I want to mention for this game is the difference between taking the spread and taking the money line. Right now, the spread is at minus 2.5 at minus 110 and the money line's at minus 142. When you're comparing points in a spread versus uh, the money line ratio that you're getting, you generally expect to get every half a point is worth about 10 cents. So if you have two and a half points, you're, you have five ticks, so that should be approximately 50 cents off the minus 110 line. So you would expect to see that money line around minus 160. It's sitting at minus 142. So for that reason, I think the taking the money line offers better bang for your buck than taking the spread we also know as we get into some very advanced gambling stuff here number one like a game ending with a one-point game is the 11th most common outcome in nba circles uh a game ending in two is the eighth most common outcome so you're not really missing super key numbers uh, three four five six seven eight are all way more important than one and two so you could play the spread because you're only paying minus 110 juice and not missing key numbers. But in this one, I do like the money line minus 142 would be one of my best bets for half a unit. Let's move on, AV. Um, Detroit Pistons versus Orlando Magic. This game is being played in Orlando, and we have a thing called reverse line movement here again. So I'm looking at the betting splits right now. We are getting 59% of money on the Orlando Magic. However... This line opened up at Orlando minus seven and is now sitting at six and a half. So they're asking for Orlando backers to come into the market and they're saying, we don't want your Pistons money. I don't have any play on this. I just want to point it out is this is generally a spot where you would take the Pistons. You would take this line movement to say, okay, 
they're setting up, the book is setting up to say, we're taking a position against the Magic here. I just don't want the Pistons because the Magic are one of the best teams against the spread this season, and the Pistons just flat out suck. So I don't, I don't feel like getting on board with this game, but that's what the betting splits say. Anything to talk about, but, you know, end of season Magic coming on strong, potential play-in play -in team towards the back end of the East? I actually like some of the young talent on this team, so I don't hate when they're on TV and I have to watch them. I'm not focused on them. I'm not betting on them. I mean, when I see two teams like this in the in the back half, two teams that realistically could be tanking again, it's just it's it's too tough to get into the who's going to tank harder in this game mindset. Who's going to sit more of their people? I know it's the first game out of the break, and the Magic could actually be making a push for that. 10 spot but no i stay away from all these games who would you want to see in the 10 spot right now it's between the raptors bulls pacers and magic who would you want to be in that 10 spot in the east not the magic <laughs> really <anyone laughs> the magic. i I'm, I'm happy that they got they got it right with bancaro and that they have some good young pieces i like franz i'm happy for markel turning it around but any of those teams i, I would prefer in the 10 spot i think that the Tyrese Halliburton with with Carlisle, who seems to be reinvigorated, and we know he has the mind for this sort of thing. Um, I think that's an, an interesting tandem, and the fact that Tyrese is so young and and outkicking his his coverage so so much for so long now that I'm I want to see what he looks like in the playoffs. There, the Raptors are a little bit on the decline, so I don't care as much about seeing them because I think we're going to see a revamped Raptors team next year. And if I'm looking for anything in in this this last quarter of the year for the Raptors, it's they want to make Pirtle happy. They want to fit him into the offense, make him feel good, re-sign him, make everyone feel like, okay, we're loading up for next year because the first half of this season was the first, the really the only time other than that time they had to play in Tampa during the bubble for a brief period where things weren't looking incredibly optimistic in Toronto. Masai has people happy there. Strange the Nick Nurse stuff coming out where he might be on the hot seat. I think that should blow over in the next couple of weeks, right? Like I'm he hoping to out. get an explanation there. What's going on? I mean, because he, I would have put him in that top tier of like untouchable in a way that it allows a coach to be creative because he doesn't have to think about his job being on the line all the time. And all of a sudden you were hearing that he was having problems with players? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what it is. It was very vague, the reports that came out, but... I know some. I was listening to some other podcasts, and I know some people who have been doing this a lot longer than I have, covering NBA stuff and and keeping an eye on all this. When when you see a coach's salary mentioned when they're having player issues, that is a normal indicator of they're going to be on the way out soon. So normally, you keep the salary under wraps, and when you start publishing, this guy makes this much and he's having yeah. issues. It's like the indicator of he might be gone. But yeah, I think Nick Nurse is one of those guys. If he left, he's hired soon or right away. I'd want to see the Bulls as the last play-in team. Personally, DeRozan can turn it on in any game. Levine can turn it on in any game. They can make any situation or series a little bit fun. They took one off the um, box last year in the first round. So yeah, they could be the, the, the friskiest team of the four that I mentioned, I think, is the uh, Chicago Bulls. And speaking to your Raptors point, if the Raptors miss the play-in altogether, like they are blowing it up and they're going to change things for uh, next season. Like, probably ship off Van Vliet. We'll see what happens with Siakam, build around Pirtle, Ananobi, uh, Scotty Barnes, and whoever else they bring in. Um, I think it would make for the most fun NBA offseason if the Raptors miss the playoffs out of that bunch. Let's keep talking about these games. 
Boston Celtics going to the Indiana Pacers. This line opened at Boston minus eight. It is now Boston minus eight and a half because 73% of the money is on the Boston Celtics. Very straightforward in terms of line movement, where this game is priced. I have no action at all here. I just think this is very fairly priced. The line movement is in correspondence with the money that's coming in. We're not getting any super key indicators. Uh, eight and a half, not a number that I want to touch. And not, nothing really to say here. I do think that if we're going to talk anything Boston Celtics, uh, their odds to become the number one seed, they're minus 175 to be the number one seed. I do think they are above that in terms of implied probability. I, if we're going to take any Celtics situation, it's backing them to finish as the number one seed in the East. Yeah, I mean, that's a big spread. Uh, I, I have positive things to say about the Celtics, but I don't know if it's eight and a half positive. Uh, yeah, coming. you don't know if you want to back Tatum and Jalen Brown coming off the like same thing we were just talking about with the Joker. You know, you're going exactly. Utah back to Boston, then traveling to Indianapolis or Indiana. Um, same place, right? Yeah, um, yep. Indianapolis, the Colts, Indiana, the Pacers. I don't understand why some teams get the whole state and some get the city, but sounds like a separate topic. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, at least I didn't just sound like an idiot with my geography. All right, the next game is one of my best bets on the board. It is a TNT NBA Thursday game, so we will break this one down a little bit more than usual. Just to reiterate, these podcasts where we break down the slate and cover all the lines and the gambling trends and talk about the games are going to be very frequently on Wednesday evening targeting these Thursday slates because we get these TNT games where national TV, spotlight, probably not players resting or coming off back-to-back. So we're going to have you know lines posted on Tuesday night for these. We're going to have some information with 48 hours before tip. Um, we're going to think these players are trying to play. And given that the tight standings, we think everyone's also trying to win. So these are really good situations to target for gambling and podcast talk. So we're going to go a little deeper on these TNT games. 76ers are at home against the Grizzlies. They are four-point favorites, which the line has stayed at four the whole time. We are seeing 56% of the bets, 67% of the money backing the Philadelphia 76ers. I would expect this line to jump to four and a half or five in the next day or day before tip, I, we don't even have another day or two, in the next day before tip, especially with the Steven Adams news as out. I thought he was the biggest impending injury news on the board. Everyone was focused on Embiid, 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 the foot, the all-star. Is he going to not play an all-star? Is he going to show up? What's going on there? I knew the whole time Embiid was likely going to play coming out of the break, and Steven Adams was the piece that we really, really had to keep an eye on. We have gotten word that Steven Adams is out for this game. Out for the following game against the Nuggets. Uh, two key games where the uh, Grizzlies could use him against Embiid and Joker. But he won't be there to help them. I really like taking the 76ers minus 4 AV. That is one of my best bets on the board. It is a full unit play for me. Love backing the 76ers at home. And love fading the road Grizz kids. Yeah, we're on the same page too much. I prefer to, to argue with you a little bit, but um, I love the Sixers here. Uh, Harden's rested, coming off the all-star snub. He's going to be ready. Um, Embiid has been in this situation before where things didn't go great for his squad in, in the back quarter of the season. He knows what they need in, in terms of a seed here. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm fading the Grizz here for the same reason with, with Steven Adams out, but I'll, I'll take it a step further. I think a lot of people look at Jaron Jackson Jr., who should be the front runner for the Defensive Player of the Year. I know 
Brooke passed him on their ladder, but, you know, they're wrong in my mind. But what's, what Jaron Jackson Jr. does, even though he plays the 4-5, is you really want him on the other team's 4. He, he switches out so well. He, he guards the perimeter and the bigs. You want him helping, swatting shots. He's not the Steven Adams role of, I'm going to take the other team's biggest guy and just absorb body blows all day. They're going to ask Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark to do that, and they're not ready for that. MB's going to go right through them. I think that the Sixers roll. Awesome. I like that we're in alignment. It makes me feel better about my bets. In terms of the podcast content, yeah, it would be better if we argued, but I like when your eyes match my bets. Uh, I do want to talk about the total in this game because this one was very, very astonishing to my eyes. This total opened, AV, at 217 to the over-under. I should have jumped in on it right away. I was thinking in my head, like, I like targeting overs with the Philadelphia 76ers because they get free throws at such a high rate, even though their pace is lower. Mm -hmm. Like, people tend to target unders with them because of a pace thing. Uh, but when you look at their free throw volume and efficiency, they're scoring when the clock is stopped all the time. And, like, Harden and Embiid get to the line at insane rates and make them with 80% plus clips, each of them. So I really like targeting 76ers over. This opened at 217. I missed the boat. It is now all the way up to over under 229. Seven, uh, wow. 12 points of movement towards the total, and it's even sharped in the juice, minus 112 towards the over. You could get the under for minus 108, over for minus 112. So not only has it moved 12 points, it's also heavier juiced towards the over. So few questions here. One, have we missed out playing this potentially? Has the line moved too much where it's not worth jumping in now? I think to say yes, I jumped in on the under at 228.5. Obviously, I am even wrong in that thinking because it ticked up another half a point. Has it gone so high that we should go contrarian? Is it just let's avoid this altogether? When a total moves that much, is, is it worth following steam or is it just better to avoid it altogether? I mean, I think you have to judge it on a, on a situation-by-situation situation basis. I think this one specifically has moved a little bit too far for me. But I will say that when I see people make a mistake, it's less often not um, them trying to follow the trends too much. It's more often feeling like you felt, like I missed the boat. Since I didn't get it at the best possible line, I don't want to, you know, miss out now or, 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 you know, have it sit in that middle number where everyone who was, who was paying attention won and I'm here with the late guy sitting out and lost. I think more often than not, the best time to get it, yeah, was when it came out at, at 217. The second best time to get it is now. Get get it now if it's moving, you know, you, you, especially if you think it's going to continue to move. This one moved too much for me. Um, it's also because I think it could be a blowout based on some things we talked about. And uh, sometimes blowouts are weird with points and you actually get less points. What about targeting some, like, player props? If we're, if we're th seeing this kind of movement towards the over, what about going, like, for Harden's assist prop or, like, DeAnthony Melton revenge game over points because he's been starting recently. So, like, let me let me pull up the props real quick. Uh, Melton's over-under is 8.5. Is this, like, a clear play the over spot because he only needs to hit three threes or, you know, he's going to get 30 minutes. It's going to be a game that likely scores 225-plus points. I think that's, like, an easy spot to, to pick off, right? If the line has moved too much, what correlated bets can we find that relate to that? 
Yeah, and I love that you're picking a bench player in a home game where we think the home team is going to roll. Um, it, it's, it's you know, a lot of times it, it can be tempting to go and beat our heart in there, but if you have a big lead, sometimes they'll get some rest and there won't be 100% of minutes won't be uh, important minutes. But someone like Melton, he's going to play all game. Um, I was surprised that after playing, you know, consistently all year, his minutes were actually down in the two weeks leading into the all-star break but they got rid of Tybal. um i'm not i think they're comfortable bringing maxi off the bench so i think you're certainly not looking than than less than 25 melton minutes and in a blowout you could be getting as much as 35 so yeah i i like i like melton i'm, I'm trying to think who else on on their bench i like maybe some niang threes you know he feels it at home um uh, some john morant turnover prop yeah, I mean, I, I bet the number is just so high there that it that it can be tough. It's normally um, like three they, and a half or four and a half. I just think with these over okay, games, it just generally that. means a faster pace is played, which also means higher turnovers. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a it's a good way to think about it. I really I really like targeting the Melton props. Over eight and a half is probably going to be a play that I make. Over one point five threes is definitely going to be a play that I make. Nice. Yep, I like that also. Um, what's the next game? What do we got? All right, uh, the next game is Pelicans visiting the Toronto Raptors. The struggling Pelicans towards the All-Star break ended up winning four out of their last six. The last few weeks without Zion, with reintegrating a hurt Ingram, tough sledding for the former number one seed in the West Pelicans, now down to like the eighth seed. Um, yeah. They are traveling to Toronto. This line opened at Toronto minus three. I jumped in when it was Toronto minus three and a half. We are all the way out to Toronto minus five and a half. I really like the Raptors here. Uh, I know we were talking about them potentially throwing it in, but I think they're going to have one last little stretch to make some push to be competitive. Van Vliet came out today and said he for sure thinks they're going to end up in as a top six seed, that they're only four and a half. He immediately said, yeah, we're only four and a half games out. So when a player is like quoting where they are in the standings, it shows that they're trying to be competitive and trying to remain spirits up. So I like that. Uh, Toronto at home, we know is a, a good situation. We have a young team traveling, and the injuries are just continuing to mount for the Pelicans. Zion still out with a setback. Dyson Daniel, uh, we know, out for the rest of the season. Uh, I just think... Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, um, we, we already... We talked about the travel. We talked about the travel um, and how long of a trip that is coming off the All-Star break, so we don't have to go into that again. I like that the Pelicans were adapting to what their offense looked like with B.I. as the lead and no Zion because, you know, Zion is so good, but he changes your team's offense so much that the difference between an offense with and without Zion, even when you have B.I. healthy or not, is it's so drastic, so much more different than yes or no bi. But I'm I'm glad that that they have Ingram reintegrated. They looked good going into the break, and I still like the Raptors. I I don't think they're gonna they're gonna tank or mail it in at all. I think they're gonna over prioritize perhaps integrating Pirtle, Um and depending on what they want to do with Van Fleet long term, I actually thought they might keep him. I thought they might get more of a discount than. Um, than they should because there's there's going to be a team out there that's willing to overpay him what he's willing to do the experience he's had in the playoffs um but i i don't think that the raptors should overpay him and i think he wants to stay and he's made good money so i i think that he'll actually take a slightly team-friendly deal 
based on what will be out there. But when you say the line's five and a half, that's tough. That's that's a little big for me. Um, I I'm not sure about that. These games could go either way. I know I know CJ keeps his team prepared. That that that's that's a big ad, and this is his first full season with them, and what he's been able to do um, with Jose Alvarado and, and their guards, um, and really just. Helping them stay the course. I, I know they fell from first to eighth, and so you think, oh, this team must have imploded. But if you look at what the games that they've had, all three of their stars, which is like none, um, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what they've been able to do to, to stick around, and I think they play well in the last quarter of the season. If we're going to look at the total, total opened at 223. Oh, it's up to 225 and a half. So if we wanted to play into those angles that you're talking about, AV, if we could then target Podal's uh, overs on his rebounds, seven and a half on his points, ten and a half. So it's not asking that much at all for him to score eleven points or get seven rebounds, uh, eight rebounds rather. It's seven and a half the line, so you wouldn't push. Who are we talking seven. about? That's the ten and a half and seven. That's not Pirtle, really. Pirtle. Oh, I'm taking the over on both of those in a second. That's yeah, crazy. that's what I'm saying because we're that's also crazy. seeing that's the game crazy. line. We're seeing the game line go up. So if we're saying, hey. Yes. Game theory, we want this team is going to be overly integrating this player. Plus the fact that it's to oh, sharp that way in the total. Plus we're back. He's a player on the team that we're backing. So taking all this into consideration, instead of playing the Raptors minus five and a half, I already jumped in on the minus three and a half. So I have a nice line there. I'm going to add some exposure to this myself, getting in on the over rebounds, the over ten and a half points and things like that. Love that idea. Yeah. I love some of these prop angles you're bringing up that kind of allow us to take advantage of some of the things we're seeing in the eye test without, you know, getting stuck that we've, you know, missed the boat on, on the great opening line. I, yeah, I, exactly. The, the Pirtle prop, it, yeah, keep going. AV, it's, that's so important too because a lot of these props are not priced based on the total. They're priced based on a player's averages. So, like, Harden's assist prop is going to be relatively 10.5 every single game unless he's playing you know coming off an injury and expected to be reduced minutes or he's like going against a team that's defense is atrocious and he's going to have a higher assist rate it's pretty much always going to be priced around 10 and a half with various levels of juice that you have to pay for it um so we don't need to we can see a total going up 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 and the price and the and the line is staying the same so we could just say okay instead of picking off the total and missing the line or missing the value or not getting in in the right timing Let's just use that angle to say, okay, if that happens to be true, what is a, another likely result of that? And we find very similar odds in another situation and just play it that way. So, yeah, taking this purtle angle is just a way of playing the overs without paying for the juice or missing the, the three points in the line movement that we've already missed. Let's talk about this Dallas Mavericks versus San Antonio Spurs. This line is sitting at... Mavericks minus 13 and a half. It opened at Mavericks minus 14. And I got a question from our Twitter audience about this. Hold on one second. Let me let Bronny in. AV, on a podcast yeah. I did last March, I talked about some of the most important numbers when betting an NBA game. And minus 15 was one of the numbers that I talked a lot about because – Historically, like if you look over the last 20 seasons that I pulled this data from, 21 seasons actually, if you had blindly bet every single minus 15 favorite that closed at that number, you would have been profitable over time. Minus 15 covers at the most frequent rate of any NBA spread 
the act the favorite covers the 15. In fact, it covers so often, it covers more than the threshold that you'd actually pay the juice. So you'd be profitable if you just bet it blindly every single time over the last 21 years. So I got a question from the audience that said, hey Mike, we're seeing this Maverick spread at minus 14 and I know you've talked about the minus 15 spread. How strict are you to that minus 15 and would you allow it to trickle over and play a minus 14 or minus 13 and a half? And Julian, I say thank you for the question. We appreciate you reaching out to us. We have numbers for minus 14, minus 14 and a half, minus 13 and a half, minus 12, minus 12 and a half, everything. And that statistic applied strictly for a closing line of minus 15. So if this number bounces back up and sits at minus 15, sure, you could play it and, and attribute it to the angle of the blindly play the minus 15. But the fact that it opened at minus 14, the fact that it now sits at minus 13 and a half, it simply doesn't qualify. And for that reason, I won't be playing it. And to go a step further, the line movement trends itself, going from plus 14 to plus 13 and a half for the Spurs, shows that the Spurs would be the smarter angle to play for this. But again, not gonna play the Spurs at a plus 13 and a half, they're atrocious. Not gonna play the Mavs citing the minus 15 unless it's at a minus 15. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I would follow your numbers, and that's so interesting to hear about the 15 or more because, you know, my first thought when I hear that is it's that's a, that's a lot of points. I know there are blowouts in the NBA, and it's clear the Mavs are trying to win and the Spurs don't care, and, and the Mavs are much better, but it, it's a lot of points. But you just follow the numbers, you know? If, if you see that, that, sort of, um, that sort of pattern over time, then I'd stick with it. So you said you have numbers for 13 and a half and 14. What... Or is is there a significant jump where fifteen is a gold mine and fourteen is is a uh, a trap? Yeah, I, I I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now. I just know that fifteen was the only number in all of them where if you had bet it blindly over the course of time, it was above the fifty two point gotcha. three eight threshold because when you're paying minus one ten juice, you need to hit fifty two point four percent of your bets to be profitable over time. So it was the only spread that was above that threshold of hey, it would have been profitable if you had just blindly done this over time. Yeah, Ronnie, uh, as uh, she's happy to be inside. As, as we're going through all these games, it's it's sort of a reminder, like, yes, I, I love that we have so many uh, days leading up to these games where we can watch, uh, watch line movement and we can look at what's going on with these players, think about uh, what the all-star break means for them. But it's also such a weird and unique time because this was the craziest trade deadline that we've ever seen. Um, and then what you have is a week going into the All-Star break where a lot of those teams that made trades are resting players, you're integrating, you know, it's orientation. You're not selling out the week before All-Star break. So we haven't seen so many of these new teams, even a team like the Mavs, where we have literally seen Luka and Kyrie on the court together. I don't know what they've done over this All-Star break, spent some time together in the break, hopefully working on their, their offense, their spacing, how they like how they like to play with one another. So I... I uh, this is a hard time. I'm I'm gonna watch these games more carefully than I watch a lot of regular season games. I'd say because it's it's so new. Av, I absolutely love that you just brought up that point. I went through the last three game game log that Kyrie and Luca actually shared the floor together, and I was like, what kind of sneaky angles can I try and find some value in? Because these team these players aren't that integrated. They don't really know how to play with each other that well yet. They're kind of still taking turns. You know, Kyrie's not totally aware of the whole motion offense and the screening off ball and the, all this, you know, swings that Jason Kidd runs. So 
I, I looked at who's the first basket odds, you know, odds to score first basket in the game, and how is that correlated to what's happened the three games that Luka and Kyrie have played together? And I actually found something a little sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky stuff by FanDuel. Uh, Luka scored two, uh, first two out of the three games that they've played together. Reggie Bullock yeah. scored the third one. Reggie Bullock also scored second in another one. And, like, he also missed the shot. So it's like he's been very uh, prevalent from the jump of these games. However, FanDuel offers odds for literally everyone but Reggie Bullock. They offer a Kyrie wow. one. They offer a they offer a Luca one. They offer a Dwight Powell one. I don't think he's the one started. They offer Maxi Kleba. They're not they're offering Josh Green. They're offering more than more than four or five Dallas Maverick players, but Reggie Bullock nowhere to be found. And I was I tweeted at FanDuel like, yo, can we get some Bullock odds? Because that's that's the real one that we all should be bet. taking. Yeah, I, yeah and, and, and they're just not even and- pricing it. Not a coincidence that he's not on there. No, Great not fun. a coincidence at all. I, I also love that that type of bet there too because there's so many teams, so many coaches specifically, that are so intentional with their first plays and who they want to get going early. It is often your starting shooting guard. That That is like a common, you're, you're looking for someone off, off, a, off a rip screen. Um, but I, I, I love that pick. It's one of the few things that you can kind of predict a little bit more because they care. They're controlling for that. Yep, and we'll see if they post it. If they do happen to post some Reggie Bullock odds before tip in the next day and we get it maybe above 7-1 to one odds, 6.5-1 to one odds, that might be worth taking. Uh, but we'll move on. OKC visiting the uh, Utah Jazz, who just hosted the Woof. questionable All-Star Weekend. Um, this line opened at OKC plus 3. I jumped in on it fairly right away. It's now down to plus 2. We are seeing some Thunder money come in. We are seeing people back the, the smart sharps in the market, back the OKC Thunder. Um, is this a continuity thing as well? Jazz, a bunch of new pieces. OKC, you know, r- pretty much remain the same through the deadline. Best player on the court, probably SGA. Uh, should we just, you know, off off a break? Their SGA might have even stayed in Utah, not traveled. Do we back the That's Thunder thinking Thunder might be competitive towards the end of the year and Jazz are going the other direction? SGA also had a very light All-Star game experience. I bet he's feeling rested uh, after that. I, if, if there's a team I like here, it's OKC because I'm more confident that the Jazz are going to tank and do things that are in their benefit but not necessarily good for winning. Um, I think we're going to see a very different team with Colin Sexton at the helm. I I think it's pretty underrated how much a a Conley is a win now, sort of knows what to do to get Markinen in his spots. The players love him. Not that I don't think Colin Sexton is is worth giving a chance here and a good silly season guy. Um, I just think that he's he's so inefficient, has so many turnovers. And if you run the offense through him, which is every offense I've ever seen Sexton run has been a, you know, he's the star of that offense – um, it's it's hard to be in win games, so I I think that uh, Utah's definitely losing here. Whereas the games SGA plays, they can be really competitive. I I don't know how much OKC wants to tank though. Do you? That makes it so hard for me. I honestly don't think they're going to tank that much. Yeah, you think I think I think they I think they're just they're they're competitive enough in every single game, and they're like still relative in the standings where they could make mm-hmm. a push yep. for the last play-in spot. 
I mean, they're in the they're in the tenth seed right now, so they're half a game above Utah for that last playing spot. I think it would send a really bad message to the rest of the team to start tanking. I don't think they're gonna get enough, you know, odds for Wembenyama. So I think they're saying, hey, let's let's get some experience here because next year is a, a potential takeoff year where they're gonna bring in, bring back Chet, maybe bring in some other big names because the cap space situation they have. Uh, I don't think they're tanking. I think you know we could even play that angle of maybe the public thinks they're going to tank a little bit and thinks they're going to start yeah. taking games off, but th this is the season where they're not. So let's get ahead so on I mean, that. I think everyone and their mom is going to be betting the overs for them next season. But I really think like let's look back to like the bubble suns and say it actually starts the season before and like late being competitive late in the season is a very good sign for the following year. Yeah, my favorite point you make there is that, like, OKC with Sam Presti and the way that they have stash and have a treasure trove of, of picks and young players is synonymous with tanking. But that doesn't mean that they're tanking this season. Your reputation is not what you're doing right now. I would love to play against that reputation because even I, I was about to run with that reputation until I was convinced 30 seconds ago, and I don't think that I would be alone there. A lot of people think OKC tanks and... Uh, and so you might you might get some some interesting stuff where where OKC tries to win some games and some lines look good for them. Av, who do you have as the most improved player in the NBA right now? Is it Marketing or it's, SGA? It's Marketing. It's Marketing. Really? I, I know that I know that SGA is a is a is a popular pick, especially with what they did with with John Morant last year and the and you know that jump from from borderline um, all-star to superstar is is a big jump. And I think SGA, you know, if you're just talking about, like, what you did for your team in terms of winning, how much you affected winning, was probably, like, fifth in the NBA, which is incredibly high. I, like, he's he's he was so valuable to that team. He's doing so much. But it's Markkanen. Markkanen, you know... SGA was was a talent. He had a great season last year. His potential is sky high. Marketing bounces around to his third team in, in three three years. And a lot of people think, okay, this was a guy who could have been a stretch big. We liked him for the time, but maybe he can't cut it in the NBA. And to go from maybe can't cut it in the NBA to, oh, I can build my entire offense around this guy. He's an all-star. He's an all-star starter this year. I, I It's marketing, and I feel strongly about that. Wow, okay, so they are sitting tied at plus 135 in the odds. I jumped in pretty heavy on SGA uh, right before All-Star because I thought SGA was going to be announced as an All-Star starter. So I was like, let me get ahead of that jump. Mm. It ended up being Marketing who got the All-Star starter, and I like completely felt differently about the bet. But the odds have even been you know, going the other direction. I'm wondering if it's tied to whoever gets that last play-in spot because right now OKC in 10th, Jazz in 11th, so... One of the teams is going to make the postseason or the play-in tournament. One of them is not. So it might come down to that. But I think you've convinced me, A.V. I'm going to add some marketing and exposure to my portfolio. Because of the way the odds sit right now, I could take both of them and lock in profit if one of them wins it. And I think third in that race is, is Jalen Brunson, which I just don't think it's it's Brunson's year over, over either of those two guys at this point. I know Brunson's had an incredible season an insane last month but i don't think it's most improved territory i don't think he's jumping up into that debate uh, you know what i feel bad for brunson because he's had such a good year that most years the way he's played the way he's put up numbers and affected winning he's an all-star he was borderline all -star, this year and most improved and know, most like improved so he would have got them both yeah, all of it. Uh, so it's all of it. i feel bad for him because it's it's not he's getting perpetually snubbed doing. but he's got 
He's yeah. got a hundred and twenty million dollar deal, and his dad is his assistant head coach. So he's and he's okay. earning it. I was oh, I was ready to oh, say yeah, that he overpaid sure. him that's everything. Not, that's not a he's earning it. No, yeah. he's yeah. he's yeah. for sure owned it or earned it yeah. completely. All right, uh, two more games left in this slate. Av, let me go back to the odds and see where it is because I lost my place. I know one of them is going to be Kings versus Blazers. Oh, wow. Odds shifted back. Okay, so Kings Blazers opened at Kings minus five. That's where I jumped in on it. It quickly ticked to Kings minus five and a half. Now back to Kings minus five. So sitting pretty even in the in the line, sitting pretty even in the total, opened at 239 and a half, hasn't moved at all, still sitting right there. Uh, Kings at home. I was going to take the angle of light the beam. Uh, the Kings remained, have the continuity angle through the deadline. Portland, although, yeah, uh, Thibel looked decent, Reddish looked decent in their first starts, it doesn't last. You normally back the team with new pieces in their first game. It's kind of like an interim head coach. Back the, back the Atlanta Hawks in their next game and then fade them in the next four after that. Um, mm. I think fade, fade this, this uh, Blazers team. I think they got worse. I think they clearly got cheaper, not better, through the deadline. I think they're trying to sell it as a better, younger, more defensive angle. I think it had a lot of tax implications and a lot of correlation to Dame Lillard's contract. So I think play the Kings, take the minus five. I don't mind the spread. Five is the spread that pushes most in all of NBA betting. So I don't mind taking a minus five. Uh, there's a good chance that it lands on five and we'll just get the money back. Very different than a five and a half, in which case you might play the money line. But when you're sitting at the five, totally okay to play it. Um, half a unit for me on the Kings. Light the beam. How you feeling? I know you're a big Dame Dalla guy, so I this, I'm looking forward. Here's, here's my opportunity here. I, so I, I'll start with the Dame Dalla point because I, I have I have a slightly anti Kings point and I have a slightly pro Blazers point. So in in Dame Dalla land, going into the the All Star break, he was the leading scorer in the NBA for the for the last two weeks. He's been hot, and for the last for Dame Lillard's season, at at least one point in every season, he's gone nuclear, where, you know, you're seeing 50-point games. Is he Was he loading up leading into the All-Star game? He looked great, won the three-point contest, and now he's about to go on a hot streak. I, I, I agree with your points about the continuity and everything like that. It's just with a team like the Blazers, which is, you know, like an Iverson Sixers style team. They they live and die with Dame. If Dame comes out and he's, and he's crazy hot and when, when he's scoring the way he is so efficiently it opens up so much for his team uh, i i like the blazers and then on the other side i don't want to downplay how big of a deal it was that the Kings sent two all-stars this year after not having an all-star since uh, i mean i can't think of one since the weber days maybe, <laughs> maybe you have one inside yeah literally c web which is insane no boogie cousins boogie was an all-star at some point he had to be so yeah, for no sure. no all-stars sure. since the, i mean that that's a big deal i this team has rallied around this team and it's about wins and about getting as high a seed as they can from the playoffs but that doesn't mean that they're that they're too good to appreciate moments like an all-star player for the first time in years and years. I, I think that this is a team that's saying we need to appreciate what's happening. A, t a town, a city, I don't know if you can call it that, definitely a town, that's that's on board with that and appreciating. And I think there's going to be a little lull coming out of the break for them. Okay, so we found one where we disagree. And even the uh, gambling odds show a little bit of predicament in the market, going from five and a half, coming back down to five. So in all the other spots, we've seen consistent line movement in one direction. This is one where there's some um, 
reverberation in the betting market. Mm -hmm. The last game that we need to talk about is LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the no Steph Curry, no Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I think they're missing two other guys, too. Um, let me check that really quick. Golden State Warriors, thin Golden State Warriors going against the now juiced up Los Angeles Lakers. 23 games left in the season, and LeBron is saying these are the most important 23 yeah, games wow. of my regular season career. Let's, um, first of all, tip our cap to that absolute nonsense. And then, we'll, <laughs> and, and, you know, okay, okay, Bron, these are the most important 23 games of your career. Like, bro, enough. Anyways, let's use that to say, that's cap. But then also, uh, if he's thinking that, it's a good way to say, okay, that means he's going to come out playing hard. That means he's going to try and go for yeah. it. That means he's feeling a little bit invigorated, feeling positive vibes in the locker room. It is a good sign that he's saying such outlandish things. We don't really need to believe that yeah. that it's the most important 23. But we could say, okay, that that's a good sign that him and AD are coming ready to play for these last 23 games. Line opened at minus three and a half, I think. It's all the way up to minus five and a half. I jumped in on the Lakers early. Really like the Lakers in this spot. I think LeBron tends to get up whenever he's playing against the Warriors. Doesn't even matter that Steph's not going to be there. So I think this is a clear, like, get right spot for the Lakers coming out of the break. The other two people that aren't playing are Gary Payton and uh, Iguodala. Okay. So it's Curry, okay. Iguodala, Wiggins, and Payton all out. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm totally with you here. I, I while I don't think these are the most important games of his career, 23 or, or otherwise, I think it's it's huge because there was a case to be made that LeBron was pretty hurt. That that foot was pretty hurt, and he was making a push to beat the record, which I understand. It's you know it's a big deal. Um, and then after he beat the record, you know there might have been some rest. There might have been a lull. There's no time for that given their record and how many games they have left to make the playoffs. Um, but the fact that he's saying that is good because it, it means that I, I think they're going to continue to go all out. He's going to continue to play real minutes. Yeah, he'll still sit some LeBron games depending on how many they win and when he needs it. Um, but I, I like the Lakers here too. And I think that the Lakers needed this all-star break maybe more than anyone. They made the trade, and so they got the new faces in there, but they didn't get a chance to kind of breathe and reset their image. And that's what they can use this break to do. AD was down it was not a good look seeing him with his head down when lebron passed the record and things like that lebron and ad so had weird. so weird so weird and it's like it's burned in history now so you know i it might have just been like a few weird days where ad didn't play well and they were losing to okc and those are reasonable points but now you're a part of history being like a hater of your own teammate passing the record i know that's not what happening but that's what the picture says so um, I think they're on the same page now. I think they're ready to to lock in to use their their new trade acquired players in their offense better instead of just saying, "Hey, what do you guys know that we also run?" Okay, we'll do that till the break. Um, I, I think they're going to come out and give it their all. I think, unfortunately, most teams are going to get the Lakers all also because that's part of it when you play in LA. Um, but look, the first game coming off and, and no, uh, no curry, no wig, a good as chance as any to, to get started off. Right. And, uh, I'm on the Lakers. Amazing. So we agree with all of them except for the Blazers ones. Let me quickly review our bets that we gave out today. AV, um, Cleveland money line, half a unit Kings minus five, half a unit. That was the one there. AV might feel differently. Lakers minus three and a half. I'm on for a full unit. 76ers minus four for a full unit. Raptors plus, I mean, minus three and a half, half a unit. OKC plus three, half a unit. 
There's also some totals. I want to say everything has been posted to my Twitter, so make sure you're following me at mfiddle14. Everything is posted right when I take them. So obviously the podcasts are going to be coming out Wednesday nights and Thursday mornings. But if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to get the exact same lines as me. So maybe you didn't get the three and a half and you're unsure if you should take the minus five and a half. I can't really tell you because we don't have the same kind of rules that we do for NBA points and important numbers that we do NFL. Of course, if a spread in the NFL moved from two and a half to three and a half, I could tell you very clearly I wouldn't jump in after after you've moved through the three or through the six or through the seven. But we don't really have those those numbers in basketball as much. The only really relevant one is six and a half because when a game gets to seven, you stop fouling in terms of late game situations. When the game's at five, you'll still foul because it's a two possession game. When it's become a seven-point game, it's officially hit a three-possession game. So if it's a seven-point game with 40 seconds left, we see NBA teams stop fouling. So six and a half is really the only important NBA number. So moving from three and a half to five and a half, sure, you've lost a little value in it, but that doesn't mean it's not playable anymore. So those are your own decisions to make. But again, follow me on Twitter, and you will be able to get the exact same lines that I get. In terms of prop angles that we talked about, we talked about DeAnthony Melton's over 8.5 points, DeAnthony Melton's over 1.53s, Jakob Pertl's over 7.5 rebounds and 10.5 points. We were looking at the way the point totals have moved for those games and correlating to likely outcomes in the prop market. AV, before we get out of here, this was a nice way to break down an entire NBA slate of games. We are going to continue doing pods like this hopefully twice a week, but we do have a little bit of, uh, of a situation where, again, we talked about this in the beginning, we just had a uh, trade deadline and we had the all-star break, mm-hmm. and now we have 25 games left in the season, and we saw all the odds change for the finals, so I just want to run through the way the odds have changed for the finals for, to win the NBA finals, and you tell me if there's any one or two you really want to talk about. We don't really need to, we're definitely not going through all of them, Let's find one or two that we find interesting, and we'll discuss those teams. The Suns moved from 18 to 1 down to 4.5 to 1 after acquiring Kevin Durant. The Nets, after trading away KD and Kyrie, moved from 22 to 1 all the way back to 100 to 1. The Knicks, 200 to 1 to win the NBA Finals, acquired Josh Hart and now sit at 125 to 1. The Bucks were a plus 500, 5 to 1 acquired Jay Crowder and actually got worse in the odds. Now back to plus 550 or five and a half to one. The Cavaliers remain at 20 to one, even though they are projected to be the third seed in the East. Clippers went from 12 to one to 10 to one, shortening their odds after acquiring Plumlee, uh, Bones, now Westbrook. I think I'm forgetting one other person they, they brought in. Lakers went from 50 to one to 28 to one. Pelicans, 24 to 1 to 30 to 1. The Pelicans were expected to make a move and simply didn't, so they dropped in the odds. The Nuggets remain at 7 to 1 despite adding Thomas Bryan and getting rid of Bones Highland. And the Mavericks, after bringing in Kyrie, went from 22 to 1 to 14 to 1. And then a few days later, dropped to 16 to 1 because Kevin Durant showed up in the same conference. Which of those teams do you want to talk about their, their title odds and how they've moved? I mean, a lot of the ones you named are really interesting. I have a couple starred. I, I like the Bucks one because uh, I like the Bucks at 5-1. to one, And the fact that they add Crowder and their odds get worse, I love. I, I think that this team not only has the, ta- has the talent, but they're about to get healthy at the right time. And they 
uh, and they ha- and they are ready to rally around Giannis. They really have every piece here that I'm looking for from the Bucks. And they made a mistake last year by giving up the first seed and and you know throwing that last game where the Celtics did not, and it came back to bite them. I don't think they'll make that mistake again. I think that they probably put that in the locker room at early in the season. Um, another one that I like here, I know that that I like the Suns, um, but that's not the one that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Mavs. I, I think that that just having a guy like Luka alone, you saw, can be enough to carry you through playoff series. He, he is so dominant offensively. Um, he got them to the conference finals pretty much by himself last year. I know that they defended better than I think they're going to this year. Um, but Kyrie is a big ad there, and, and 16-1 to 1 doesn't seem bad to me at all. Um, my, my biggest hesitation there is what you said, the fact that Kevin Durant goes to the Suns, and I think that the fact that the Suns aren't the odds-on favorite to win the NBA Finals is only because we literally haven't seen Kevin Durant play in that jersey. He's going to play the first game, he's going to look really good at basketball, and then their odds are going to get a lot better. Uh, what do you think about all so those? So you think... Okay, so let me ask let me ask you a few questions yeah. about that. You think the Suns now at plus four fifty, Celtics are the favorite at plus two eighty to win the NBA championship. I think those odds are way too short. I think strongly certainly agree. like the Celtics as the potential NBA favorite, but that's too short of odds. I think you're gonna get similar odds to that when the playoffs start and the team is make make sure they're healthy. So if you're gonna back the Celtics, certainly wait for them to start the playoffs and make sure Tatum, Brown, Smart, Williams, all those guys, Horford. They're all good and active and ready to roll. Um, you think the Suns become like maybe plus 330 as soon as we see Durant and the, and the Celtics move back and they're roughly the same? I think as soon as we see the, the Suns put a couple games together where KD looks good and he will and they win some games and they will, partly because they'll have some yeah. easy matchups and partly because, you know, that team is just good and Chris Paul cares. Everyone's going to be like, oh, so the team with all the best players is looking really good at basketball? They're now the favorite. So I, I take them now. I think that eventually they'll actually be, their odds will be too short because people will, will see KD and they'll go on a run because they have to go on a run and start winning some games. Right. It can't get any worse than it was. Um, so I, I really like the Suns. I think that their odds are, are not bad right now and that they're going to get worse. I really don't like the Celtics. I really do like the Bucks. I have both the Bucks and the Suns ahead of the Celtics to win it all. Um, and that's not just based on how they look compared to their odds. That's just straight up. That was exactly where I was going with that question. Okay, I think I'm going to add some, some Bucks exposure. I like that you said this about the Suns because I jumped in on the Suns plus 460. So I had you know 10 cents on the dollar for, for every bet. Um, getting 460 instead of 450. However, uh, I, I still really feel confident in that. I love the Suns. Uh, I'm going to add some Bucks exposure. The Mavericks are sitting in front of the Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you think that's realistic for when it comes to NBA playoff time? I mean, we saw the Warriors work the Mavericks last season, take care of them in a quick, swift five. So we I'm did. not sure how I feel about that. And then Memphis... Like this Memphis team just really confuses me. 18 to 1 in the odds. Didn't really do anything too important. Brought in Kennard, got rid of Danny Green. Like, doesn't really do anything for me. Um, but, like, the reason to fade Memphis is because, like, they have such a high turnover rate, offensive rebound rate, fast break rate. These things that slow down in the playoffs. Right. But I'm almost wondering if that's like, is that too long of odds? Like, they shouldn't be the, the fifth or sixth team in the West, right? The Clippers, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Warriors, the Suns are all ahead of them. They're the sixth favorite in the West, and they're sitting as the two seed. 
I don't mind that bet, but if you ask me who I think has a, a better chance to go deeper in the playoffs, the the uh, the Grizzlies or the Mavs, I think it's the Mavs. I And I'm surprised that the betting numbers don't have the Grizz. I was all ready to say, I bet most people think the Grizz. I want the Mavs at better odds. I hate that Vegas has it right again. Um, I, I think that the so, Grizz so- aren't... Okay, go ahead. Av Gri- Grizzlies at home playing against the Mavericks in a si- seven-game series. Who's favored in that series? The Grizzlies have to be, right? They have to because of home court, maybe. If they're fully healthy also, I don't know how much Steven Adams helps them in the playoffs anyway, and that's a separate conversation. I I just think that the 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 Mavs are a better playoff team. What you know, once everyone knows what you're gonna do, once there is no more fast break and you slow it down, once every play is a foul anyway, and Jaron Jackson Jr. might be in trouble, um, given that you know that's part of his strategy, and I love his game. Um, I think that that really benefits the Mavs. I also think they've been there before uh, with this coach and this players. The the thing that I would say more for the Grizzlies, even more than their record and home court advantage, is I don't want to underestimate Ja. I've, I've seen Ja yep. have similar Luka moments in the playoffs where he just puts a team on his back. Um, and when you have someone like that on your team, uh, you can you can win any series. I, I don't know if they're the favorites, but they're not far off. In, in that series. Memphis Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies playing against the Clippers. Memphis at home having the home court advantage. Who's favored in that series? Clippers. Uh, first of all, people really? loved people love to bet on the Clippers. I, I, Clippers was another one that I could have quickly touched on. I don't really understand why their odds go from twelve to one to ten to one just because they add Plumley, Westbrook, and Bones. I don't know how much that helps them. I do think that they're. They know their rotation now, and their core guys, instead of you know playing sparse minutes and sitting out some nights, are going to really lock in. And that their strategy all along was get to a point with a quarter of the way left in the season where you're within striking range and everyone's healthy and happy and you haven't had any crazy stories, and now it's time to lock in. You have to be your healthiest and your best going into the playoffs. Uh, I, I like... The, I, don't, I don't like the Clippers' moves during the All-Star break, but I, I like them as a playoff team. I see the only reason why I dis the only thing I'm thinking of right now that I a little bit disagree with you on AV is I think mm-hmm. Grizzlies are favored in the series against the Clippers and against the Mavericks and for that reason I think there's inherently value in taking the plus eighteen to one now. If I also think they're going to be favored in that series, then I would just come in on the other side and I take the 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 Mavs a slight dog in the series price just in that one series and use that as a little way to hedge it. Um, I just think there's implicit gambling value knowing that the Grizzlies are locked into a two or three seed they are going to get home court advantage for at least the first round any of the other teams could slip back and be their first round opponent or be their you know second round they they could end up as a two seed and have two at least two home court series you know on their hands so I think taking the plus 18 to 1 implies some gambling logic value on the Grizzlies last thing I want to say before we get out of here AV uh, I know that the um, Knicks, I said, went from 200 to 1 to 125 to 1. They're back to 200 to 1. We, we yeah, didn't get too wrapped up in, in Josh Hart. <laughs> I was, it is, it's hard to convey how little I wanted to talk about that line moving, how little it matters, how the Knicks are absolutely not winning the championship. Glad they grabbed Josh Hart. Glad Brunson is working out for them. 
Don't care at all about what their championship Nova odds boys. are. Don't take them. Good for Nova. Josh Hart is. People love him as a teammate. People love Brunson. I think that sort of helps when you have someone like Julius Randle who can go either way, but can be positively influenced. Um, and I think they're set up better than I thought they were at the beginning of the year. And the East is worse now than I thought it would be not only this year, but for the next few years. So, yeah, uh, slight optimism for the Knicks. Not this year. Find me next year. All right. Maybe I'll find you in a couple weeks. We will be back here on The Advantage likely tomorrow. The episode might come out Friday. It's not going to be a slate breakdown. It's going to be an NBA gambling preview pod. Just you know, a bunch of NBA gambling questions. With professional gambler Raheem Palmer, uh, this could be a very special guest for the advantage to have. Not like A.V. here is not an extremely special guest himself. A.V., thank you for joining me today. We will see you back on the pod, and we will be welcoming back NBA in our lives about 24 hours from now. Thanks, bud.